Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Haltech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Haltech. How are you? Good morning, Double A. Uh, it's Victory Wednesday. We record on Wednesdays. It's been uh, well, it's been six days since the game, but uh, we're celebrating. Uh, we're not we're not doing cartwheels by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, three wins out of the last four games, and the Bears have suddenly become relevant in the wild card chase again. Uh, but the next four games will, will definitely uh, tell the tale. So uh, glad to talk about a, a, a Bears victory, uh, owning the Lions. That's our fourth straight victory against Detroit. And now comes, uh, it comes the big test with, with the game on Thursday night football at home against Dallas. Uh, they have to win all four games to be relevant in the, in the playoffs. And, when you take a look at the schedule going forward with the Rams having the Rams are one game ahead of us in the standings right now, but they still have to play San Francisco. They still have to play Dallas. They still have to play Seattle. Uh, and they only have to lose one of those games. Uh, the bears obviously have to win their next three starting Thursday night against Dallas. And that would set up a matchup for a win-in-your-in game against the Vikings on the last game of the year in Minneapolis. So it's uh, it hopefully uh, will be a, a fun next four weeks. Uh, before we get started talking about Detroit, we are delighted to have with us another Chicago legend uh, with Sports Mockery. He's got his own podcast I'm going to let him talk about for a minute uh, Pinwheels and Ivy, uh, Sport Mockery's very own Matt Sawaski. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Matt, uh, tell us a little bit about your your uh, affiliation with Sports Mockery and, and your podcast. I, I know we're talking bears, but I want to give you a chance to plug your uh, your podcast about the Cubs and the White Sox. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Sports Mockery's been around for, it's, it's going to really make me feel old, but about 10 years now. Uh, it started with me and uh, three of my best friends. Um, we decided that we didn't like the coverage that Chicago sports teams were getting, and uh, we decided to make a Chicago sports site by four very Chicago guys. And Over the last 10 years, it's just kind of snowballed into this large website there's been good times there's been bad times i mean we get i think we got over uh eight thousand something followers on social media and we're averaging in the millions of page views every month now and it's just, it's 
city in the world, and we wouldn't have it any other way. We're very proud to say a lot of our writers who uh, come through sports mockery have moved on to some bigger and better things, basically what their dream jobs have been. Uh, we take very, as working class guys in a working class city, we definitely want to make sure that anyone that puts in the work with us definitely gets uh, compensated very fairly. And, uh, we stuck to our guns, you know, even though sometimes that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And uh, we're happy to be where we're at. Um, you know, when we first started, it was just the four of us. And we covered, you know, we had to cover everything. But since we, you know, we got something, 25 to 30 writers now working for us that we're able to have guys hone in and be, you know, experts on one team in Chicago. So, um Baseball has always been a huge love for me, so uh, I wanted to do the podcast thing because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Southside kid, so writing's not exactly my strongest suit. I'm a much better talker, so I wanted to do uh, a podcast about Chicago baseball. And, uh, we got a great show. We got some former uh, MLB players as co-hosts. Uh, actually, one of my co-hosts was Chris Bryant's uh, coach in high school. Uh, out in Vegas. So, uh, it's, it's a real fun show, laid back. We just talk about everything Chicago baseball. And, uh, but back to the, the football side of things, you know, we have some phenomenal Bears writers. I would, you know, I hope all the sports market guys listen to this. Don't take this the wrong way. But our Bears coverage, I think, is our strongest suit. It's something we're really proud of, and that's led by Eric Lambert. Uh, make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. You can find it at Sports Mockery on Twitter, Sports Mockery on Facebook. And always hit me up. I mean, you saw how easy it was. That's Southside Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Southside Zoe. I, I, I love the handle. Uh, I grew up, uh, Aaron lives, I believe, on the north side of town, uh, just outside of town. I grew up, I was born, uh, literally, I was born in downtown Chicago, uh, lived in Elmwood Park until... Uh, I was a, maybe in first grade, we moved out to the northwest suburbs. In fact, my brother still has the house I grew up in. So uh, been a Chicago sports fan my entire life. Uh, I actually introduced my dad to the Blackhawks. He wasn't much of a hockey fan until I started you know, watching him on good old WGN TV when all of the uh, all the road games were broadcast, and of course they didn't they didn't broadcast home games at all until uh, uh, you know the the more recent uh, history. But uh, man, Jack Rickhouse and the Cubs and the and the White Sox, uh, you know he broadcast them both, and then he was the the broadcaster on radio for the Bears forever. Uh, I've been going to Bears games and Cubs games and Sox games literally since I've been in diapers. And I'm 62 years old now, Matt. So, uh, uh, you know, when you talk about t- 10 years aging, you let we can talk about you know 55 years of being a Bears fan. So, um, let's get right into it. Detroit. Uh, Mitch owns Detroit. He's three and zero against them. He uh, he played probably his best game of the year. Uh, it didn't break any records, but it's nice to see that. Uh, Finally, the uh, the passing game started to click. The running game was complementary, and the defense, thank God, just did enough in the fourth quarter to bring home a victory. Yeah, and uh, I mean, my biggest takeaway from that game, and it's been the last couple games uh, lately, is we're starting to see uh, Anthony Miller become the player that we all were 
uh, hoping he would be out of Memphis. And um, I mean, I've, it feels like in Chicago you're on either one side of the coin or the other. There's no like in between about pitch. And I've always been, you know, I guess this is the way that I've been brought up. It's just he's our guy, so I'm going to support our guy. And that's just how it's always been for me. So it was really great to see, you know, I wish we can get second half Mitch for a full four quarters in every game, but I'm sure we're going to touch on that when we talk about the Dallas game coming up. Absolutely. Aaron? Yeah, uh, hey, Matt. Um, just a quick question. Are you are you related to Jay Zawoski from the score, or is that just a coincidence, the name? Uh, no, we are uh, we are cousins. Zawoski okay. on the south side of Chicago is very large okay that's cool right. i i never i never got a chance to ask you that i was always curious uh saw the name and um that's awesome um so <clears throat> talk a little bit about you know you talked about being uh you know riding with mitch and riding with our guy what, what do you think we, we were talking before the show started about the prospects of picking up the fifth year option the future you know of this team with mitch because i see a game like Thanksgiving and it gives me hope but there's part of me that's like oh boy you know like we don't want to get too much wrapped up in this guy off of beating the Lions you know uh, because I look at a guy like Jared Goff who the Rams you know put a bunch of money into and now they're kind of stuck with um, you know what what do you think do you think that uh, that the team based off of what they've seen so far should should pick up Mitch's fifth-year option? Should we have a, a competition for next season? What, what I mean, obviously, we don't want to start doing the post-mortem on this season yet, but, you know, it's it's kind of got to be talked about. No, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely fair. You know, with Mitch, not only do these last four games dictate if the Bears can make a playoff run or not, but I really think these last four games are Mitch – basically playing for that fifth-year option because there's some big games here. You've got Dallas, you got Kansas City. Minnesota game's always an important one. But I really think that this is going to determine if that, which direction the Bears go. And, you know, you've been seeing a lot of talk lately. Like, oh, let's bring in Andy Dalton. Let's bring in Nick Foles. D- does that really make this team better? Is this really what you want to do? Because right now you have a good young team. And is bringing in a, an Andy Dalton the direction you want to go to. So when it comes to next season and in the future and things like that, I just, I need to see better options, I guess, before I jump ship on Mitch. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, my thing is I've never thought Mitch was going to be a top 10 guy. I never really thought just based on what I had seen from him in 2017 and 18, that he was going to make this enormous leap. But at the end of the day, I thought, okay, if he could be like Eli Manning, type of player with the defense that we got, you know, if he can just be a, you know, a solid quarterback who gets you, you know, 250 yards, couple touchdowns every game, it doesn't turn the ball over, you know, I mean, that would be great. Honestly, if he did that for five seasons, he'd be the best quarterback in Bears history by far. Um, you know, so the bar is pretty low for quarterbacks in Chicago. My thing is just that, you know, to see what he's ended up being this year not only is it shocking, but it does give you pause. So I think when people say let's bring in, you know, a veteran or somebody, um, you know, who could be a little more serviceable, they're they're talking about that because of the window that this defense 
has, I think, as you know, a, a possible championship contending defense. I mean, you know, if this defense is really going to be top five, top four, and give up less than 20 points a game, I mean, that's what we need. We need a quarterback who can score 25 points. And my issue with Mitch has just has been that, you know, him and this offense hasn't been able to consistently get that done. So, it makes you start thinking, okay, well, maybe if we could get a guy, you know, like an Andy Dalton or somebody. Now, my thing is I don't I don't want to trade for anybody. People talk about Cam Newton. I don't want to trade for a guy. I don't want to pay a guy $20 million. I don't want to do any of that. But if you could get, you know, a, you know, somebody to at least push Mitch and not be uh, another, you know, rah-rah cheerleader coach guy like Chase Daniel, somebody who could actually win you a game if Mitch gets hurt. You know, that's what I think you want. And then if you don't pick up the fifth-year option on him, you kind of need a bridge guy to be the guy if we draft someone else or if we go out and, you know, get a free agent. So I think I think that's what a lot of people are kind of going after. But then it's also the age-old thing that you mentioned in Chicago with the quarterbacks is it's one of the most dysfunctional relationships in sports, Chicago Bears fans and their quarterbacks. I mean, it's 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 a super toxic relationship. You know, where it's like you see one good game and we're ready to build the guy a statue and then he has one bad game and we're ready to burn his house down, you know, and that's kind of the deal. And then people always say, well, the most popular guy in Chicago is the backup quarterback. Well, Chase Daniel might be the first guy that bucks that trend, (laughs) you know, because he's just not the guy. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of where people are at with this, you know, bring in a guy is like, you know, do we waste this defense, quote unquote, to you know to uh to have that window no absolutely and just hear me out on this for a second so with bringing in a veteran like an andy dalton or nick Foles, and you put them behind the offensive line is currently constructed and then you also have him thrown to a wide receiver court that beats the league and drops do you still think a guy like that those mobile older veteran quarterbacks can still be that successful guy you hope they want them to be no, I, no, I agree. I agree. I'm not saying that um, because what's I think at times you, you thought I think people thought the 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 major issue this year was Mitch. I think it the it's been so much more than just Mitch. Um, what's been most disappointing to me about this year is that the entire offense has regressed from offensive line to running game to i mean and finally anthony miller's come around but but you can't say that he started off you know uh having a great season the only guy that showed up has been alan robinson consistently um and the tight end group has completely disappeared um you know and so you can't just put it all on mitch and i think you make a great point that you know you drop uh an older quarterback in and um you know i mean there's no you know, the one thing about Dalton is that he's he's definitely had talent in Cincinnati on offense. Um, it's not like he hasn't. You know, we don't have any A.J. Greens on this team. I mean, Allen Robinson's good, but I don't know if I'd put him in that category quite there. He's close. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's going to get you anything. I think it's more just I'm worried if they just reset and kind of go, well, that year was wacky and unlucky, and let's just try it all again with the same guys. Like, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, Matt, I, you know, when we take a look at what you've been talking about, um, we've heard 
Dalton, we've heard Foles, we've heard Cam Newton, we've heard Bridgewater, we've heard Eli Manning and even Phillip Rivers as potential Bears quarterbacks to uh, unseat Mitch Trubisky. Before the show started, we were talking, Aaron and I, and, and uh, I think the Bears will definitely pick up his fifth year option just because they've invested so much time with this guy. And you you kind of hit the nail on the head just a few minutes ago when we talked about the line. Now, the line has been playing better uh, since Kyle Long went out and literally since Massey went out. They've seemed to start to gel. Uh, you know, the, the running game was complimentary, if not a, a strong suit uh, last game. And, you know, they put up over 400 yards of offense. Yeah, it was Detroit, but they hadn't done it against anybody. And they played worse defenses than Detroit so far this year. So there's, there's some positive signs trending. And with the emergence of Anthony Miller on one side and Robinson on the other, now you get an offense that is a little bit more multidimensional, which should open up opportunities for Trubisky. And, you know, even with you know, the tight ends, this situation where the tight end has basically disappeared, you know, this kid, Horstead, opened a few eyes with a great catch. Uh, he had another catch the, the week prior when he first came up to the roster. They just hired a, a or hired. They just signed a tight end uh, that's pretty athletic as well. So there's going to be a little bit of changing going on there. So if if I had to bet, uh, I'm I'm betting on the fact that this fifth fifth year option is going to get picked up this year. Yeah, I I. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. I mean, um, exercise that fifth-year option and take all that other money that you would blow on a veteran quarterback and just please, for the love of God, give me an offensive line. Who are you going to replace on the line? I mean, at this point, the way the line plays, I'm so, so one of our other players writer, Darul, who, again, he's phenomenal. I was talking to him this morning about you know, some talking points before I came on the show with you guys to make sure that I had all my bases covered. He pointed out like four or five specific games where the Bears just got completely dominated in the trenches. Completely dominated. And unfortunately, it's kind of on both sides, but the key mix is coming back. We'll get to that in a minute. But the offensive line has just been getting manhandled. So right now, I mean, white hair is good. You know, uh, Massey's all right. Uh, and the names are escaping me. Who's the kid they started at center, but they moved him out? Daniels. 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 I mean, I, yeah, Daniels, was, he was a great guard last year. The experiment with him at center this year, just it didn't really work for me. And I mean, I, I just, it, there's something I have to give on that line. And I guess this all keeps coming full circle to where I'm a little easier on Mitch because, I mean, he says, you know, hike, and he's got – two defensive linemen breathing down his neck in 1.8 seconds. So, um, to me, that's the biggest focal point for this Bears team. If they're going to really run the table and make the playoffs, it, it starts and finishes on both sides of the ball in the trenches. You're absolutely right. You know, and you can, just by sitting here talking about, you know, what you had talked about with your, your Bears writer at, at Mockery, 
you know, the first game of the year, they were totally dominated by, by Green Bay. Uh, even the game against the, the Redskins, you know, the one interception that Trubisky threw was when a guy just blasted right through Kyle Long. And Kyle Long was sitting in Trubisky's lap and he was trying to throw a fade to Robinson. He threw it short and got intercepted. Uh, the Oakland game, they were absolutely dominated on both sides of the ball. Uh, of course, that was when uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, you know, was injured, you know, in the fir- very first series of, of that game. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, and I agree with you, and I agree with your, your Bears writer. Maybe we should get him on the show because I'd love to pick his brain. And oh, yeah. uh, so- Ruben, Eric, they we'll uh i'll get his number from you uh offline but uh yeah it's it's you're absolutely right it all starts up front and that's why since kyle long has gone down and they switched whitehair and daniels back to their positions that they had last year uh they have started to come around they've gotten better they've gotten more consistent they're you know one of Montgomery's problems is at the beginning part of the season, there were no holes, and he's dancing behind the line trying to find a seam to get through anywhere. And now, uh, you know, like the uh, when uh, the, the Darnold was playing the on Monday Night Football against the Patriots, and, he's, and a camera caught him saying he's seen ghosts. Uh, that's got to be what Montgomery's seen because he's missed a few holes that he could have popped through, but he's spending too much time hesitating behind the line. So, yeah, they, their their offensive line play has gotten better, and as their offensive line has gotten better, so too has Trubisky's statistics. But you're absolutely right. When it comes to the third quarter, if we could have third quarter Mitch for four quarters, we wouldn't even be arguing whether or not we're going to pick up his fifth-year option. Right, and I think that's what makes it even more frustrating because we sit here and watch these games and we see that one quarter of the quarterback that they traded up to draft, and you're like, why can't you just do that for four quarters? Why? What is so magical about the third quarter? Is it because you're coming right out of the locker room having seen adjustments, game tape, and you're able to put it together, which is great. That shows he's you know, got a brain between his two ears, but just put it together for four quarters, and that's how they're going to win ball games. Yeah, I think, you know, Matt, you make a good point about the offensive line. I mean, I think it's something that really doesn't get talked about enough that that because, you know, they sign guys, they sign Massey, they sign Leno, they sign Whitehair, you know. But really, if you look at it, Pace has not invested uh, many draft picks on the offensive line. I mean, you've got Leno, who's a who's a low draft pick. You've got Coward, who's a who's a project that they turned from a defensive lineman. You know, um, they kind of went the cheap route and they thought that they could bring Harry Heastand in and Harry was just going to make a miracle out of, you know, what at the end of the day is not a great group of guys. Um, I mean, I I can't remember um, what the exact stat is, but the Bears are near the bottom of the league in the amount of salary that they pay to the offensive line. So, you know, and then we continue to. Um, to invest draft picks in, in people like Riley Ridley, you know, and even Kareth White, who now is is playing very well for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, because they have a good offensive line. And you would have liked to have seen maybe, you know, them, uh, you know, spend some, some more draft picks on, 
on you know depth and um, you know other things uh, if especially if you were expecting Mitch to become more of a pocket passer this year, uh, which it seems like they very much were um, because he certainly is not running as much. And I think he helped the offensive line a lot last year. And so did Jordan Howard. I mean, I I was on board with, you know, all of the talk of, of moving on from Jordan Howard and this, that, and the other, but, you know, I mean, I think him and Trubisky being a running threat helped the offensive line of last year, and, and the offensive line just wasn't as good as maybe we thought. Um, you know, so I agree with you, although I just don't – I'm not sure if I see how they're exactly going to to retool it. Uh, maybe Alex Bars comes around um, as something, but – it's it's been a just a weird thing how they've you know how how it hasn't worked i mean people also thought that the move to center for daniels was going to work out you know people like olin Krutz and you know respected people thought okay this is smart you know and it just totally failed so it's 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 weird i mean there's been so many things that went right in 2018 that this year have just not gone right Yeah, it's uh, interesting because that Alex Barr's name is something that I've been trying to keep close tabs on all year. I mean, the kid was a beast at Notre I'm a big Irish fan. The kid was a beast at Notre Dame. I, I mean, the way this offensive line has been this season, why not just give him a shot? I believe he uh, he was coming off of a pretty serious injury, and uh, so they they kind of stashed him on the practice squad, hoping that that a year. Uh, in in the system and doing his rehab and, and weight training will get him up to uh, where they want him to be, and he'll probably be a starter next year. Yeah, I mean, I think, Matt, they're being overly cautious and patient with him because of the knee injury, but also I think they, they're trying to reward Coward for, you know, making the position change and whatever, and, and he's been okay, but I, I think in general that this coaching staff – and Nagy and Pace have been very slow to react to things, you know, whether it's Jesper Horstead, who everybody thought he looked great in the preseason, and everybody knew we had no tight end in Adam Shaheen, but we really had to go through this whole charade of trying to pretend that Adam Shaheen was going to become something when anybody with two eyes who knows anything about football could tell you this guy is a bust. And finally, it took you know him basically looking horrible on a on a kickoff you know a, a squib or whatever that was and and just being a bum and not working to finally you know get off this team and, and now you see Horsehead come up and it's like obviously like this guy's a big target he catches the ball yeah he played in the ivy league but he put up crazy numbers and i think it's the same thing with bars it's like it's so obvious but Nagy and Pace are just, you know, they're stubborn. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to, like, take the obvious route sometimes, uh, it feels like, you know. And uh, it's just weird. Like, you would think, you know, like this kid. And when he stepped in and played, uh, I think, in that preseason game, he looked good, bars. And and yet, you know, or it's like Riley Ridley. Like, what the hell is this guy on the team for? You know, like, I just, it's very strange. Like, the way that they, you know, they do things and they this whole soil conversion from offensive lineman to tight end has just been a total sham. Like, 
it's just weird. Like they they do weird stuff and it makes you scratch your head. No, I mean I, I agree with you guys 100 on everything like the angle there because it's it's just it's painstakingly frustrating as a Bears fan to watch how this season has just rolled out. Uh, so after 12 weeks, we sit six and six. Uh, we thought that our playoff hopes were out the window, you know, four four games ago. But then they put together you know, three wins in in four games, and now all of a sudden they're relevant again. And uh, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. The you know the Rams are probably in a worse spot than than the Bears are because they went to the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, with with two teams in their own division being, you know, at what, 10 wins uh, and they're a game behind Minnesota and they got to play some tough game. I mean, every single of their next three games, they play they play Seattle. They play. I think they play Dallas. I think they play um, San Francisco before they end the year in Arizona. Their season could be over before they get to week 17. So. The Vikings have to get beat one time, and the Bears have to win their next three, and that would set up a, a win-in-your-in matchup against Minnesota on Week 17. And the Bears and Nagy have dominated Minnesota uh, over the last, well, they're 3-0 and against them. They swept them last year. They, they beat them soundly, despite the fact that Trubisky went out in the very first drive of the game. So even though Chase Daniel is is not somebody we want to see in the game, he would he was able to hold serve. And now we've got a, a potential where you're going to have at least four or maybe five teams uh, in in the NFC with 10 wins or more, and one of them's not going to make the playoffs if the cards fall the way we hope them they will. So. Coming up, obviously, is is the the biggest game of the year is tomorrow. It was we're taping on Wednesday. Hopefully, this show will get posted by my buddy here, Aaron, tomorrow before the game. Uh, no, no, uh, no pressure there, Aaron. <laughs> so let's let's talk, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Detroit, or the 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 Dallas game, Matt and Aaron, uh, the Bears have played well defensively against the big guns running the ball. Uh, they they always hold quarterbacks to something less than their stellar numbers. So uh, and then then they play the Derek Cars in the in the uh, Detroit quarterbacks of the world and and they look very beatable. So it, I guess it comes down to you know what Mitch what if we get third quarter Mitch for four quarters and we get a Bears defense like we got in the first few games of the year, this is a winnable game. It's an absolute. I mean, every game from now on for the Bears is the biggest game of the season every week. The, the one that I got circled that makes me the most nervous, obviously, is the Kansas City game. Um, but as far as Dallas is concerned, again, it's just it's, and I'm sorry to keep uh, beating on the same drum here, but it's going to be up front. If they give Mitch time, you should have no problem picking apart the Dallas defense. But I definitely see Dallas just bringing the house a little bit more and sitting back in a zone because Mitch has had 
some difficulties when teams have been sitting back in that zone and getting to him. And so the Bears are going to need to overcome that, and hopefully they're ready for it. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, I mean, with the one-two punch, Dak right now is leading the NFL in passing yards. And uh, I know Zeke has had a very, I guess, subpar season to the standards you would expect for a running back that just got paid and, you know, has been doing what Zeke does. But there's a lot of potential for this game to go sideways quick. Um, but as you mentioned, the Bears seem to step up. And it's really weird, and I've had this theory, if you will, this whole season. Khalil Mack loves nationally televised games. He always plays his best games. And I know Hicks isn't going to be back this week, but he's got to be ecstatic to see. He calls Hicks Mufasa. He's got to be ecstatic to see Mufasa back in that lineup because right now we're seeing uh, Khalil Mack get doubled and triple teams. And, uh, you bring a guy like Hicks back in the mix, and those uh, double teams are fewer and far between. So I don't know with the Dallas game. They match up good on paper. Dallas is definitely a very beautiful team. They haven't beat one team this year over 500. And, I mean, this is tomorrow night or tonight or one Thursday night. Let's just make it easy. Thursday night is – this is where you're going to see. Is this, Bears a play, is this Bears team a playoff team, or is it time to start thinking about offseason? Yeah, they've won, uh, you know, they won, they lost four, what, four games in a row. Uh, then they've won three out of their last four. Last year, they won nine out of ten, uh, mm-hmm. you know, after, after starting the year three and three. So, and it's virtually the same team. I posted this on Facebook. I posted it on Twitter. This is virtually the same team as it was last year, except for we're, you know, we're missing Hicks, obviously. Uh, offensively, it's it's virtually the, the same players, except for Howard and Montgomery changing spots. So, you know, they beat the Rams. The Rams went to the Super Bowl. They beat the Rams, and they pounded them. You know, quite frankly, Jared Goff has not been the same quarterback at all since that game against the Bears last December. So can it happen? Sure. Will it happen? Stay tuned. It's going to be, a, hopefully, it'll be a, a fun ride. Every, uh, every episode, Matt, we talk a little bit about Bears history, which kind of sets us apart from the rest of the podcasts uh, that, uh, in, in Bears Twitter Nation. So let me ask you this. Do you have any favorite Bears-Dallas games that, that you remember? Uh, off the top, specifically, nothing that, you know, pops as far as Bears, Dallas. I'm not a big Cowboys guy at all. I know they're American team, and I grew up in the 90s, and Aikman, and Michael Irving, it was crazy. I just never got into the Cowboys whatsoever. Well, great answer. Aaron, anything you want to ask Matt before we let him get back to his office? <laughs> Uh, no, um, you know, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. Uh, definitely, uh, everybody uh, check out uh, Matt on Twitter. Southside Zoe is his handle. Uh, of course, Sports Mockery. Um, you know, we're uh, big fans of Eric Lambert and Darul, um as well. Uh, I, you know, talked with both of them on Twitter frequently. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, everybody go out there and follow Sports Mockery and support uh, what they do. They've been around uh, doing it for a long time. You know, there's uh, been a lot of uh, people that have popped up over the last few years, uh, but these guys have been doing it for a long time. Um, so uh, we just appreciate uh, what they do. And, uh, Matt, we just uh, appreciate the time uh, talking with us. And um, go Bears. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, go Bears. Hopefully you'll be doing playoff preview specials in a couple weeks. Yeah, hope so. Hopefully we can have you back on our show. Uh, you're welcome anytime. I appreciate it, guys. You have a great day, and uh, let's beat them Cowboys, huh? All right. Let's Thank do you, it. Matt. No we'll, problem. Take care. We'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere welcome back everybody thank you again to our sponsor tick splits make sure you go to ticksplits.com you can get better seats closer to the action because you're not paying any service fees with ticksplits.com and you can combine that by using promo code tailgate that's t-a-i-l-g-a-t-e and save an additional five percent on all of their tickets whether it's sports concerts broadway music festivals, you got it at TickSplits.com. There's over $6 billion of tickets on sale every day at TickSplits.com. Can't thank uh, Matt Southside Zoe, Matt Zawoski from Sports Mockery for, for uh, joining us. Make sure you follow him and Sports Mockery on Twitter.com. Uh, so here we are, four games left in the season. And, you know, the old adage is uh, the most important game is the, the next game on the schedule. But obviously it's not a cliche for the Bears going forward, Aaron. They have to win this game Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, they've set up uh, the playoffs start tomorrow, Thursday night. I mean, you know, uh, both for both teams. I mean, I, I the NFC East is so bad that Dallas is not going to be eliminated I mean, nobody except for the Giants is is mathematically eliminated from winning that division. The the Redskins could could run the table and and actually probably still win that division. It would be difficult, but they're not mathematically eliminated. So, but at the end of the day, you look at Dallas. They've got a coach who's on the hottest hot seat. Um, I don't think it helped that Ron Rivera just got fired. Uh, he's a guy that's been around as long as Garrett, about 10 years now. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think um, you're going to see how much this team wants to play, you know, for Jason Garrett uh, and how much they really want to be in the playoffs because they, uh, much like the Bears and the Rams, uh, I think a lot of people thought they were going to be among the top teams in the NFC uh, just based on how they stacked up on paper. And the Cowboys have been very disappointing. They've, they had, they don't have any quality wins on their, on their roster of wins. Uh, they have six wins against uh, mostly bad teams or teams that are under 500 right now. And 
you know, they haven't looked particularly great. But the one thing about them is that they do have a, a still have a very good offense and they still have a very good defense on paper. They just haven't put it together. Um, so that's what worries me is that, like, you know, you look at the, the Bills game, uh, Den- Dallas and the Bills. I mean, Dak, <laughs> Dak put up some strong numbers and Dak is no slouch of a quarterback. Uh, and they have, you know, a very uh, top flight receiver in Amari Cooper. And they have one of the best running backs in the league in Ezekiel Elliott, a really strong uh, tight end, um, you know, in Jason Witten, who came out of retirement. And, you know, and they have a they have a pass rush. They don't have much of a secondary, but they have a, a really solid pass rush. So the Bears are certainly going to have their hands full um, with this team, you know, and with their backs against the wall. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Dallas, you know, has kind of been in that mode for a while now and they haven't really responded. So, I mean, can the Bears win this game? Absolutely. But, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's no gimme. I mean, absolutely. You know, that's how I feel about it. You know, I, I mean, I don't think any game has been a gimme for the Bears, but I, I don't think it's even a given that the Bears will be competitive like I hope they will be. But you, I could easily see the Bears going out and losing this game 35 to 10. Well, we hope not. And, you know, like, like Matt said, with Khalil Mack, uh, with the lights on, uh, with Trubisky, you know, trending upwards, the emergence of Anthony Miller, I, I really, you know, I don't see it happening. I really don't. You know, this is probably uh, a game that first the first team to 20 wins. Yeah, <laughs> which you know, so it could go either way. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have a we could have a, a game uh, like 2013 where uh, Josh McCown uh, had his best game as a Bear ever. And he threw for four touchdowns, 348 yards, and the Bears won that game 45 to 28 in in on prime time again. So right. you just you just you just you just never know. That's why they say any given Sunday. Well, obviously it's been expanded to Thursdays, Mondays, and you know coming up here later in the year we're going to have a couple of Saturday games uh, on the on the NFL ledger. It's uh, it's just a strange, strange, you know, web that the Bears have woven for themselves this year. And, uh, you know, I, I think, like we talked about earlier in the show, this is a four-game rehearsal for for Mitch's future as, as a Bears quarterback. So every week we do talk about history. And, of course, we're going to talk about some historic – games that the Bears and and Dallas have played, everybody thinks that Dallas is, you know, America's team and they've been around forever. They were, you know, they were a a team that that came into the league the same time the Minnesota Vikings did back in 1960 or 61. Uh, So the Bears have averaged playing Dallas just once every four years. So it's it's interesting that you know they're 11 and 13 against Dallas overall in the regular season. They've played in the playoffs only two times uh, in 1977 uh, when they played in Dallas, and then they played um, in 1991. For those that are old enough 
to remember, that was the Tommy Waddle game. Tom Waddle just got the snot beat out of him, but he, he had several catches, including the Bears' only touchdown of that game. But there were a couple of regular season games. We talked about one. We talked about the 2013 game where Josh McCown came in and just had an absolute lights-out performance. It, it was almost remnant, and I hate to bring a comparison, but please bear with me. If you go back, everybody remembers the Brett Favre game against Oakland on Monday night after his dad died. And every pass he threw, it seemed to be on wings, and it was a, just an absolute epic performance. That was Josh McCown. That was Josh McCown in 2013 against Dallas in prime time. They won 45 to 28, and the game wasn't as close as the score would indicate. So I'm sure most of our younger fans uh, at least have a working knowledge of that game. Uh, I'm going to take you way back in history. Uh, we're going to go all the way back to October 31st, 1971, when the Bears hosted Dallas and beat them 23 to 19. And why do I want to go back to that game? Because the Bears were terrible back in the 70s. But they beat Dallas. Dallas went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, legendary coach Tom Landry tried to do something during that game that I don't think I've ever seen before or since. He had two quarterbacks on his team. He had uh, the legendary Roger Staubach, and they had a, a relative newcomer to the team by the name of Craig Morton. And I think Tom Landry was the coach that invented having plays shuttled in from the sidelines. And this game, he chose that the, the player that would shuttle the plays in and out were the quarterbacks. So they rotated. One snap would be Morton. The next snap, Staubach would come in. And then Morton would come in, and then Staubach would come in. And they alternated all throughout the game. Now, on paper, they did pretty well because they put up almost 500 yards of offense, had 26 first downs. To You know how many first downs Chicago had in that game, Aaron? Seven. <laughs> they only had 82 yards rushing. They had 140 yards, seven of 19 for 140 yards uh, by the legendary, infamous, I don't know what other adjectives I can use for Bobby Douglas, uh, one of the worst starting quarterbacks in Bears history. Uh, okay. <laughs> he, had, he was 7 of 19 for one touchdown, one interception. He also ran the ball three times for only nine yards. How they ended up winning that game, I don't remember because I was only 14 at the time. But uh, they won that game. So that, that's history lesson number two. But I think that the, the most famous Bears game against Dallas has to be the year they went to the Super Bowl. Then they were the true monsters of the Midway in 1985. When they went down to Dallas and absolutely obliterated the Dallas Cowboys, 44 to nothing. Let's talk about a defensive performance for the ages. Six sacks, 
four interceptions. Two interceptions were returned for touchdowns. Walter Payton um, played in that game. 22 rushes for 132 yards. Danny White was the bear, the uh, Cowboys starting quarterback. He was 9 of 17 for 107 yards with one interception before he left the game with a concussion. But he had a quarterback rating of 47.9. You think that was good, tongue-in-cheek? <laughs> uh, Gary Hogaboom proceeded to follow him into the game with 6 or 22 for a whopping 60 yards and three interceptions, and he had a quarterback rating that can't get any lower. He was a 0.0. And that was the game that really drew the media to this team afterwards because they were still undefeated. Uh, They went into that game undefeated, and, of course, Pat Summerall and John Madden did the call. John Madden went on to, to say something to the effect that they that that Summerall and Madden broadcast X amount of games. It was four or five games, including the two games in the playoffs, the uh, the the the, the uh, divisional game against New York and the the title game against the Rams. He said, "I never saw a team score a point against the Bears." The entire season, that's how dominant they, they were. They, they, they shut out Dallas. They shut out Atlanta. They shut out New York. They shut out the Rams. And it was just a truly dominant, dominant uh, performance in that game. In fact, the very first score of the game was uh, an interception. Can you tell me who intercepted the, the, the pass that was the first score of that game, Aaron? I know you were you, you were just a baby back then, but you know it, it is a legendary season. So I'm just uh, we might as well have a little bit of fun here during the uh, latter parts of the show. No clue. You're you're on. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, uh, I have no clue. Um, I I I was uh, probably. I was seven years old or eight years old at the time. I was not uh, tuned into this game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, <laughs> but I would, because you, it's probably somebody I wouldn't think, um, I am going to guess that Steve Mongo McMichael intercepted a pass. You are so <laughs> close. You are so close. You got to go outside one position. Richard Dent. Ah, nice. So he, he, the ball got deflected. I think it was actually Dent that, that batted the ball out of Danny White's hands. It went up into the air. It came right into his arms. He spun and fell into the end zone. He absolutely got smoked by one of the Dallas offensive linemen as he hit the end zone. I but, can't believe, uh, you know, I can't believe that any defensive lineman could intercept a, a pass, you know, because back then they used to wear so much tape and, um, you know, these pads on, you know, on their arms and things like, you know, they, they were never uh, defensive ends back then. were never thinking about dropping into pass coverage and and yeah. uh, like they do now. So it's pretty yeah. amazing. You know, yeah, what it was, you know, it was a ball that was deflected at the line and it mm-hmm. bounced up. It, he, he, you know, Danny White 
you know, threw it from about five yards deep in the end zone, and he caught it at the one, so the ball only traveled six yards. Right. Uh, it probably went about 10 yards in the air and fluttered down right into his hands. He, he literally turned around and, and fell into the end zone. Nice. The, the Bears' first two touchdowns were on interceptions. So why, why didn't uh, why didn't uh, McMahon play in that game? Was he hurt? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he was he was hurt. Steve Steve Fuller, Steve Fuller actually scored the Bears' first offensive touchdown uh, in, later in the the second quarter to make it 24 to nothing, and uh, and then by the fourth quarter you had guys running the ball by the name of Calvin Thomas and Dennis Gentry who scored from 17 yards out and 16 yards out to finish the scoring at, at 44 to nothing. Now the bears offensively, the running game was clicking. They had, they had 40 carries for 216 yards. You know, three of the five touchdowns were by rushing. Uh, Steve Fuller was atrocious as a quarterback. He was 10 for 25 for only 197 yards in one pick of his own. So, you know, Steve Fuller you know, had a, uh, a quarterback rating of 44, but yet they won the game 44 to nothing. Walter Payton had a better passing rating in that game. He had one, one throw, one completion for 33 yards uh, and a passer rating of 118.7 combined with his 132 yards. He also caught... Uh, one pass for four yards. So when you take a look at, you know, he accounted for 160, 170 yards of the Bears offense that, that game. So uh, the, uh, the, it was uh, just, it was just interesting to take a look back at that game. 35 minutes and 18 seconds of time of possession for the Bears. And they only got 18 first downs. <laughs> That's wild. You know, the uh, the Bears, you know, their running game, like I said, it was it was stellar, but it was, you know, it was a few yards here, a few yards there. You know, Peyton had a, a 35-yard run uh, for his longest run of the day. Gentry had a 16-yard run. Calvin Thomas had a 17-yard run. Uh, you know, he had, uh, uh, I believe, he had 19 yards on four carries. So he had the one, the one 16, 17-yard run for a touchdown. Right. So, yeah. So uh, the other passing game was uh, was spotty to to say the least. Uh, even William Perry got uh, got in the action. He had one rush for one yard in that game. But uh, you know that was you know we all as you know and I'm a, a young man of uh, 28 years old back in in the Super Bowl year and you know the Bears were were 10 and 0 going into that game. They shut out Dallas, and that's when NFL Films started devoting more and more film crews to to their games. They beat Atlanta, so they stood 12 and 0 until they hit uh, their their Waterloo when they got beat by Miami. And the interesting thing about that game, uh, we and we just had the anniversary of this last yesterday was the anniversary of the taping of what iconic video? Uh, the Super Bowl shuffle? Yes. Right. Yes. 
Park West, I don't know if Park West is still around, but the old Park West that was uh, uh, near the lakefront on Armitage, uh, they went there after, you know, I think they got right off the plane and went straight to Park West to, to tape what is the uh, the iconic Super Bowl shuffle. Uh, you know, they still have three regular seasons games to go plus the playoffs, but they were that cocky and and somehow it, it, it snuck out that 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 video was taped uh, and recorded before playoffs even started, but they were mm-hmm. able to hold up their their end of the deal. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was you know, fun times back in 1985. Um, and that was one of the, that was one game that literally put this team uh, on the, the national spotlight after they absolutely destroyed America's team, since everybody likes to call them America's team. Um, so I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I wish uh, I wish you could have been around because it was uh, it was 1985 was just an extra special year for yeah. all of us and especially those old farts like me that were uh, that are old enough to remember it but young enough to uh, have been a big part of it. I was a season ticket holder that year. Uh, it was my last year holding season tickets. So what a what a better way to to go out but to watch that team just rip and roar through uh, the NFL that year. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up in New Mexico and, uh, you know, and Erlacher even talks about this because he grew up in New Mexico. Um, You know, when you grow up in New Mexico, you're either a Cowboys fan or a Broncos fan. That's really the only two choices you have. Some Raiders fans were out there, but um, so I'm sure that game was on. just you know at that age and television being what it was you know it was not something where we regularly um sat down and watched football on tv really ever i mean at that age i don't yeah. i you know i don't recall um you know i'm sure i'm sure that game was on you know you probably only got two games um on sunday uh period uh, and then one game on i i guess on monday um the other yeah. the couple games that I think are worth noting um, in the history. Uh, you touched on the on the McCown game, but um, the next year uh, the, the, the Bears played the um, Cowboys again uh, in Dallas. Um, and, of course, this was after um, Jim McMahon's season had been ended uh, in November uh, by Charles Martin, um, who will ever curse his name, um, for body Char- slamming, uh, Charles Martin. Yeah, Charles Martin of the Packers, um, uh, who body slammed. Of course, uh, McMahon ended his season, um, and so the Bears are uh, were uh, 14 and one, um, going down to Dallas, and uh, sorry, 13 and one, uh, two. Excuse me, 13 and two, going down to Dallas, and uh, Doug Flutie ended up coming uh, into the game and, um, you know, kind of bursting on the scene. Uh, a lot of people don't even remember Doug playing for the Bears. Uh, people remember him more as the Buffalo Bill, um, you know, or a Patriot or maybe a Charger uh, quarterback. But he started his career with the Bears, uh, and he threw at 8 for 14, 152 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he had a 58-yard um, uh, touchdown to Neil Anderson, um, you know, so, uh, kind of an interesting 
interesting game um, to, you know, sort of bring up. Uh, it's not one that I have strong memories of, but um, as I was kind of looking through the history of them, of the Bears uh, Cowboys, I'm like, oh, this is not a game I've really ever heard talked about. Do you have any memories of that one? Uh, I, I don't have uh, a lot of memories of, of that game. Uh, in 1986, I was actually living in New Orleans, which is why I had to give up my season tickets. Oh. And, and uh, uh, so my younger brother uh, would literally record the game on a, on a VHS tape and mail it to me so I could watch it. <laughs> nice. And so we had two tapes going back and forth. So he would mail me one. I would watch it. He'd mail me a second one as I mailed the first one back. And we just rotated nice. throughout throughout the year to make sure that, that I was able to see all the games. Right. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, when, when the Bears signed Flutie, uh, that caused quite a rift in the Bears locker room for some reason. And uh, he wasn't very well received because, uh, you know, as – pompous and arrogant as as coach Ditka was let's let's be honest uh, you know he basically bestowed all greatness upon Doug Flutie as the chosen one and he's going to lead us to the Super Bowl well hell you know there, there was a lot of other guys you know on that team that that was were there all year and now you're going to sit there and say this is the guy that's going to lead us to the Super Bowl left a lot bad taste in the mouths of a lot of bears and and he was uh, kind of ostracized from the team mm-hmm. because of that through no fault of his own and of right. course he went on to have an excellent career uh, in in the NFL so yeah the the the, uh, the, uh, the bears lost that game 24 to 10 when uh, Dallas came from behind and uh, I'm sorry they won that game 24 right. to, to 10. Right. Uh, you know, they Dallas scored 10 late, late points, you know, after in, in garbage time, kind of like what the Bears did against the Saints this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, garbage, garbage time uh, creates a lot of good statistics, but uh, they're they're pretty much worthless when you take a look at the net worth of, of the, the, the season. But uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So it's it's very unusual that the, the Bears play. Dallas in back-to-back seasons, but because the Bears in Dallas, like so they've been playing since the early '60s, but they've only met 24 times in the regular season. Right. <laughs> so that's 60 years. So they're they're literally averaging, you know, one every every two or three years, uh, and they only played t- uh, twice in the postseason. We we talked about that earlier. So the the Bears are all hands on deck. Going into this game, the crowd's got to be into it. If the Bears can start strong, both offensively and defensively, it could be a real, real fun game. With that, this is Mike Halitek, my my co-host and producer, Aaron Torricelli. Thanks for listening to Halitek Hall. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Thanks, everybody. Let's go, Bears. Bears.